0: Our next talk is Jesus, the Bridegroom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would enlighten us this day, that you would remove from our hearts this day anything that is blocking you or preventing us from receiving and experiencing the love that you have for us more deeply this day. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. This is a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. The disciples of John came to Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn? as long as the bridegroom is with them. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And no one puts a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and the worst tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins, for if it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Obviously, one of the great joys of a priest is being able to uh, officiate at weddings. And because I am a a religious priest, because I'm not a diocesan priest, I haven't had really the experience of officiating at, at that many weddings. However, the few weddings that I have done have been special because they've all been pretty much people I know very well, so good friends of mine. And it's interesting because In every wedding that I've done, a very similar thing has always occurred. Now, a priest in a wedding, and really in any situation, always has the best view. The priest is standing right in the center of the church. And on his left is the groom with all of his groomsmen. And we all are sort of looking and waiting for the bride to enter the church. And it's so beautiful because as soon as the bride, as soon as the doors open and the bride enters the church, everybody stands and everybody's phones are out, everyone's taking pictures and, and filming. As the bride comes forward, as she begins to walk towards the, the altar to meet The groom and there's always a interesting thing that happens as she first enters and everyone's taking pictures of her and everything you can tell she she always feels a little overwhelmed to have all of these pictures being taken of her but then there's always that moment where in the midst of being overwhelmed she's able to pierce through all the people who are looking at her and smiling at her And she sees her groom waiting for her at the very front of the altar. And in that moment when they meet eyes for the first time, there's always this beautiful smile that appears on the bride's face. Because it's almost as if she's reminded in that moment who she belongs to. She's reminded of her destiny. And it should be really no surprise to us that God takes something as beautiful as a wedding or as marriage in itself as an analogy to describe what is at least God's intention of how our relationship with him should be. And how should that relationship be? It should be like that of a marriage where two people are in love where two people receive the other and give themselves back to the other without hesitation and without fear. This is what God desires of us. How profound is that, and how beautiful to think. Meister Eckhart, in one of his sermons, he says that when God created the soul, he created her according to his own most perfect nature, so that she might be the bride of his only begotten Son. In the Old Testament, God is the bridegroom, and Israel is always presented as the bride. But as we move forward in the New Testament, what is so utterly profound is that Jesus now incarnates this reality. Jesus is the bridegroom and we, you and I, are his spouse. We are his bride. In the gospel that I read in the beginning of this talk, Jesus says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? In other words Jesus is reminding them I am the lover of your soul and as long as you have me as long as I am here with you there is no need to mourn because there's a in with fasting it always has a sign or there's a connotation of of mourning to it which we can't get into it too much now obviously but when somebody is fasting there is a sign of mourning and Jesus is reminding them you can't fast when I'm with you because who would fast in the presence of the bridegroom you would celebrate you would rejoice you would feast when you're with the bridegroom and Jesus is telling them this is who I am I am the bridegroom of your soul, of your hearts, and of your life. And just a side note here, um, particularly for men, uh, but also for, for other people as well. This language sometimes can be difficult, especially for those who might have had a bad experience in marriage or who have not experienced marriage in the way we're talking about here and if that is you i think it's important to keep in mind here that we are we're speaking here in metaphors so of course there is no such thing as a perfect human marriage right but the point from all of this is that God desires this union God desires this intimacy with us that's not merely cordial that's not merely polite or, or even friendly but it is like that of two lovers in fact it is even more but This is the best that our language can do to describe what God desires, what God is like. Our language always fails us, obviously, when we are attempting to speak about God, and it fails us here too. So if this has not been our experience of marriage, we shouldn't be too overwhelmed or upset by it. The point is that God Is desiring this deep intimacy with us a few years ago I was um, I stopped off I forget where I was going but I, I pulled into a Dunkin Donuts and I went to get a cup of coffee and there was a this kid I don't know maybe he was like 17 or 18 years old and I walked in and he started he waited on me and he was very interested in the way that I dress. And so he asked me if, if I was a monk. And I told him, I said, yeah, I'm a Franciscan and Catholic priest. And he told me, he was very respectful, but he said to me, he said, oh, I, he said I, was, I was Catholic. He said, but um, now I'm a, I'm a Buddhist. He said, because I, I feel like Jesus, I feel like Catholicism uh, was boring. Or is boring and so as he was saying that, you know I hear that all the time and um, I thought to myself immediately clearly this kid doesn't know Jesus right because you can say that you don't believe what Jesus says or you can say that he, you don't believe that he is God but you you certainly cannot say that Jesus is boring. I said to him, I said, because nobody talks like Jesus does. And I said to him, I said, you know, with all due respect, I said to, to Buddha, I said, Buddha never says, I am the lover of your soul. Buddha never compares his relationship to his disciples in these marital terms and the kid said to me he said well he said I I never read that he says where does Jesus say that and so I pulled out my little pocket New Testament and I, I read to him this passage that I had read in the beginning of the talk and I also showed to him uh, the parable in Matthew 25 which is the parable of the ten uh, bridesmaids who go out to meet the bridegroom And then I also, I talked to him about the Eucharist. And I said, you know, in in the Eucharist, we are receiving the body and the blood of Christ. He's giving us his body. He's giving us his blood. He's giving us his very self. I said, Jesus is revealing himself as a lover. And he's revealing that you and I are his beloved and the kid's eyes just sort of like opened up wide and he was just he was just awestruck and after uh, a few moments of silence yeah he said to me he says well, that's pretty cool <laughs> and then he says I'll pay for your coffee <laughs> and I said to him I said not only is this cool but which is certainly is cool i said but this is this is life changing i said to to think and to live that this is the way god really is this changes everything this should this should impact every moment of our lives do you know what the the saddest experience i have as a priest is The saddest experience that I have as a priest, it's not when I encounter people who don't believe. Because quite honestly, I don't think I've really ever met someone who does not believe at least a little bit in something. But the saddest experience I have as a priest, is when I encounter believers, fellow Christians, especially fellow Catholics, who have no clue how much God loves them. No clue. Their faith, their Catholicism, or their Christianity is merely one of sin management. They simply wanna know how they can stay out of trouble so that they can get into heaven. Father, tell me the least that I have to do in this world so that when I die, I can just go straight to heaven. That attitude breaks my heart. And the reason why it breaks my heart is because that is first grade Catholicism at best. They have no clue how much beauty, how much love, and how much truth is so beyond their little narrow understanding of God. How about starting with this fact that Jesus is the bridegroom? that Jesus is the lover of their souls, that Jesus is the one in whom they are made for, that Jesus who we talked about in the last talk is present every time we experience love or truth or goodness or beauty. How about starting from this reality and that Jesus is not a prosecutor, that he's not a dictator, that he's ultimately a lover. Sometimes people ask me, again as a priest, and it it almost brings me to tears, because people ask me, Father, do I think that God loves them? And I'm utterly astounded by that question. And I respond, you know, I say, you know, no, I don't think God loves you. I say, I know God loves you. I am 100% confident that God loves you. God's love for you and for me It's the only thing that I know. And Jesus is the proof of that. Let's take a look at the crucifixion for a moment, which is probably the most profound, uh, total self gift. Of the bridegroom for us what are some of Jesus's last words on the cross he says in John I thirst and then again later in John behold your son and then in Luke father forgive them For they know not what they do. And to the thief that's dying next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. What is the significance or the importance of these last words of Jesus? There is absolutely no anger, there is no hint of revenge, there is no condemnation, there is just love and mercy poured out. There is a Flemish mystic by the name, a 13th century, I believe, whose name is, um, Jean von Roosbroeck. And this is what he says. He says, the bridegroom is Christ. And man's nature is the bride whom God has made in the image and the likeness of himself. And he says, by false counsel, the devil seduced her nature, the bride of God. It's a deeply profound teaching Because he says that, or what he's saying, ultimately, is that, in other words, the devil wants to make us believe that you and I are unlovable, that you and I are not made for this marriage-like relationship with God. It belongs to our human nature, Rose Rusebrook says, to be the bride of God. This is who we are supposed to be. It's natural for us. It belongs to our human nature. And okay, if you don't like that language, then then we could say it belongs to our human nature to be the beloved of God or one called to deep intimacy. The devil wants us to live merely in sin management mode why because freedom is the place where genuine love grows where genuine love matures the last thing that the devil wants is you or I maturing and growing in love when we are living merely in sin management mode There is no freedom. There is no increase of love. There is no increase in trust. Because ultimately, the the enemy, the devil, cannot stop us from being in relationship with God. We are in relationship with God already. But what he can do, and unfortunately, what he oftentimes does successfully, is that he, prev- he can prevent that relationship from growing and the number one way he prevents this re- our relationship with God from growing is by trying to convince us that we're not lovable that even though it's God's will that this is the way we should be with him that we should live this that we should have this relationship a deep love and deep intimacy with him the enemy wants to say Okay, this is for everybody else, but you. This is why the devil hates the saints. Do you know why he hates the saints? Because they are free. The saints are the truly, and maybe the only, truly free people in society, in human history. They are the ones who are free to receive God's love and free to love in return. In other words, they are the opposite. Of him. The devil is a slave and he's looking for companions. He wants to share his slavery with others. And St. Paul tells us it is for freedom. That Christ has set us free and he reminds the Christians you were called to freedom my brothers and sisters you and I are called to freedom freedom has nothing to do with being able to do what you want when you want and however you want to do it. That is not freedom. Freedom is being who we are. And who we are, we are the beloved of God. We are called to this deep intimacy, this deep love relationship with God. When we say yes to this and receive his love, we become free this is what freedom is saying yes to God and to reality and to his way for our life and so with all of this in mind let us speak for a moment about prayer You know, prayer has oftentimes been described as many things. Conversation with God, lifting up our minds and hearts to God, all good. But in this context, I would like to define prayer as making eye contact with the bridegroom. In my opinion one of the reasons that we oftentimes feel or think that God is far away or one of the reasons why prayer can be difficult for us is because we're simply not looking at Jesus we are not making eye contact with him we are looking at everything and every one but him. Looking at ourselves, we're looking at our fears, we're looking at our daydreams, we're looking at other people. Jesus, the bridegroom, has to become the lens through which we see everything our life, other people, etc. Let me say that again because I think that's so fundamentally important. Jesus has to become the lens through which we see everything. It's like the story of the bride that I shared in the beginning of this talk. When she's looking at all the people who are looking at her, taking pictures of her, she's overwhelmed by it all. But when she makes eye contact with the groom who is waiting for her, she experiences the truth of who she is and who she belongs to. And this is what prayer is supposed to be for us. A simple looking, a simple gazing at him in whom we belong to. You know, when I am uh, directing a retreat with somebody, sort of one-on-one, and, they, and we meet every day and, and they're sharing with me what their prayer has been like over the past uh, 24 hours or since our last meeting, I can tell immediately if this person is looking at Jesus in prayer or looking at themselves. How do I know if they're looking at themselves? If they're looking at themselves, they are oftentimes filled with doubt, desolation. Sadness, insecurity, fear, etc. But when they're looking at Jesus, even if things are difficult, there's oftentimes peace, joy, confidence. And just an overall uplifting of their whole, of their whole being. You know, in my opinion, oftentimes in prayer, I, I just simply think we talk too much. I think we think too much. We worry too much. We analyze too much. What is needed is faith hope and love what is needed is to make eye contact with the bridegroom prayer is not a mental exercise of course it includes the use of our minds saint Teresa of avila said prayer is about loving not thinking how can you love somebody if you're not paying attention to them in other words, if you're not looking at them, if you're not listening to them, if you're not allowing yourself to be drawn in by their gaze, how can you love? Or how can you grow in love? <coughs> if you're finding prayer difficult right now, At this point in your life I would encourage you simply to next time that you go to prayer whether it's for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour to spend some time either just sitting before a crucifix or sitting before an icon maybe just simply sitting outside somewhere in your in your yard And just look at him. Look at him. And once you catch his gaze, then you can view your life through that perspective. But look at him first. Catch, make eye contact with him. And then let your heart open to him because my brothers and sisters how can we not want to look at a god who is this passionate about us who reveals himself as the bridegroom of our souls right nobody else speaks like this Even if another human being, uh, a poet or some romantic, speaks like this, they're not capable of actually living it. Jesus speaks like this, but he's also capable of fulfilling his words. He is not an authority figure. Jesus is not some philosophical truth that's been deduced through reason. He's definitely not an angry dictator. He is the bridegroom, the lover of our souls. I just pray this day for the grace to start relating to him in this way.